1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy,
2: um, now it's, like, really the off-season week.
1: Yep, and you guys asked for it, so so now you're going to get real off-season content here.
2: I, like, so off-season that I don't know that either of us really even know what that's going to be until we start up.
1: Yeah, well, we do have some things. I mean, they're, like, tangentially related to Syracuse, um... Got talk about the NFL draft. that Syracuse probably won't be much involved in. There's also uh, some new NCAA rules, which are nice and actually have positive effects. I think for Syracuse.
2: I actually I saw those came out like right as I was leaving work, and I didn't get to read the full thing. Is it just the transfer uh, thing, and um, well, there was one other part?
1: Oh, there's so much more. Oh
2: well, please fill me in, and, and let's discuss.
1: We'll go part by part here. I'm also going to write an article about this for Thursday morning. So, there will be a new recruiting model that resembles the schedule other students follow while choosing where to go to college, which, the, the, the language there is just amazing to me, because it, it, it basically admits outright that the way that they go to college is not the same in any way, shape, or form. Um,
2: Speak for yourself. Nancy Cantor gave a very nice presentation in my, uh, in my living room.
1: Greg Robinson actually showed up in my living room, and <laughs>
2: <laughs> he just he just was checking to see if you had any jobs because he knew like you know he, he knew he knew it was coming.
1: He figured, you know what? Like I'm going to get this guy mad enough that it's going to affect the next four head coaches Syracuse has. Let's just let's uh, just let's just pre-aggravate him. It's it'd be funnier if it wasn't true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um so for things for the recruiting experience uh, student athletes in sports other than football and basketball they can now take official visits starting September 1st of a their junior year um, instead of the first day of classes for senior year that makes it a little bit easier football changes recruiting model last year um, men's basketball is the same and women's basketball will now be following the same Well, where you'll be able to start uh, junior year
2: I like that I, I think that it just like there's this whole there's been this whole thing about how like recruitment doesn't really and by, by thing I mean like in terms of NCAA parlance where like recruits can't receive official offers until they're juniors and all this other nonsense, like recruiting starts when they're like freshmen at this point for a lot of kids. So let's at least like extend out the timeline in which they can do like official visits and stuff like that and give them the most opportunity to learn what they what they can about the schools that they're looking at.
1: We have they decided no on a bunch of good football things. Um, They tabled the proposal to allow student-athletes to participate in up to four football games per year uh, without losing a season of eligibility. Um, They'll be providing feedback and reviewing that for maybe another time. FCS removed restrictions on employing individuals associated with prospective student-athletes at a school's camp or clinic. That doesn't really matter for us. And both subdivisions adopted proposals preventing former student-athletes participating in practice at their former schools.
2: Huh. I saw that one. That's like the uh, the Alabama rule, essentially, where like Blake Sims would come in and stout team quarterback, right? Which like I don't know. I don't have any really strong feelings about that either way.
1: See, it was sponsored by the ACC, which, all right, I uh, I can see where we're going with this Um, proposal. I assume Clemson just complained when Alabama did it like two years in a row before Deshaun Watson. (laughs) But the thing, yeah, the thing is like Clemson in five years can probably bring back an entire you know, fleet of all of Americans to do this if they wanted to. But I, I think the uh, the idea here is that by allowing former, like, star players um, to practice with the team, uh, it becomes a recruiting advantage that not everybody has access to.
2: That's that's fair. And that's, like, a legit thing. Like, you could say, like, oh, you can come to Alabama and practice against, uh, you know, Trent Richardson. Uh, right. <laughs> um, if that's a thing people want. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, so I'm not too worked up about that. I don't think that, that, that like, really disadvantages student-athletes at all.
1: Yeah. Uh, we also have... Um, that transfer rule did go through. Which will uh, which will allow players to kind of just tell their schools, hey, I'm transferring, and then they enter a new transfer pool. Um, and that'll allow them to enter that national database, be re-recruited, and... Um, They'll still be subject to conference rules, however. So, chances are you still aren't really going to be able to move much in conference. Which, sure, that's fine.
2: Yeah, like, I get, like, ideal world in terms of, like, what the players should be able to do. Like, you probably would hope that they'd be able to just kind of do whatever. But I get, like, as a compromise, keeping it from, like, a vindictive quarterback, uh, you know, transferring to, uh, like, the. straight up division rival just like i i understand why that's a restriction that they that they're holding on to and i think there are there are far worse things than like limiting you know cutting out like 10 schools out of 130 that court that a uh, football player that can transfer to so yeah like a, another one that like it's definitely a major improvement i think they got like most of the way there
1: yeah and to be honest the one thing that i would have maybe added uh i mean ideally i'd love the like you know one free transfer rule that a lot of people have floated out there. Another just idea here would be, and something we discussed when Gus Edwards wasn't allowed to come to Syracuse or Pitt last year, was if, if you're if you're a grad transfer, you can go wherever the hell you want. You're done. You're done. Right. With, you're done with what you had to do to play. Yeah, and in most cases, I think that that's what goes on, except in the case of Gus Edwards. When for we, some reason. We, we could have really used him, actually, since he ended up running for, like, over 700 yards for Rutgers. Yep. Um, the other thing that we will definitely care about on this show, um, there are no more restrictions around the sale of alcohol at Division One championships.
2: That was just, like, such a no-brainer. And we've seen this, like, whole... Like, when I started at Syracuse, I think we were, like, maybe... I, we might have been the only uh, D, uh, FBS football school that allowed sales of alcohol on campus. And at least in an on-campus uh, football stadium. And that's, like, totally, like, castading down now. We're, we're if, probably not the majority yet, so I know the SEC do, like, doesn't allow it. But, like, so many uh, of the arenas have, have added it every year. It's just a no-brainer. Like, people are, like, studies show that people are going to be more drunk if you don't allow it. Because they're going to tailgate, like, crazy. Yeah. Um, it's free money. Uh, it's it's just, like... The NCAA like, loves free things. Yes, it takes them a little while to realize what what becomes free money for them, but once once you once you explain it, they're all in because the NCAA, um, this may shock you, is a capitalist enterprise uh, and not a this, capitalist
1: like, nonprofit. However, yes,
2: <laughs> it, it is not this like puritan. Um, I mean, I guess it is technically a nonprofit, but uh, they they do like to make money. It's it's weird.
1: I mean, I've I've walked past their uh, expansive Indianapolis headquarters, and uh, yeah, that's a. Uh that that of course it looks like every other non-profit i've ever i've ever been near with uh you know something that takes up a large uh plot of land in downtown indianapolis
2: yes in a major a major american city <laughs> just they're all they're all just punching their cards doing the right thing for uh for you know the 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 disenfranch- disenfranchised youth they're they're always looking out for them
1: of course um, so yeah, I think the alcohol thing is pretty good. Uh, welcome to uh, making money to everyone else. Um, I once I saw that Wake Forest was willing to sell beer, and it was only a matter of time before the uh, the the rest of the uh, college community jumped in. So and Wake
2: was like relatively early on it too. They were
1: they they were an early adopter for once.
2: Yeah, with their 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 fancy beer tent.
1: Yeah, I, I if I recall, you and I were discussing it the last time we were there. And <laughs> realizing the last time you were there, the last yeah. time
2: I was there was a, it was a monsoon. Oh, God. Yeah, that's true. So you needed a beer. I didn't even get one. I, it would have been all, it would have like, I don't think I would have been able to carry it back. This is true. I was, I was trying to stay like relatively unmiserable, which failed, which I failed at.
1: <laughs> for so many reasons. Most of it which was, because you were at a Syracuse Wake Forest football game.
2: Yes. Which were actually fun for a long time. And then the last two years, not so much.
1: Nope. Mm-hmm. But on the happier things in Syracuse football, um, I made an attempt to rank the 10 best NFL draft picks in Orange history today, and people got annoyed because I didn't put Jim Brown first. And Dan, what's your opinion on that? Do you think Jim Brown should just automatically be first and that Marvin Harrison can just sit second and just get over it?
2: Uh, I'm looking at it now. I mean, it's hard. It, I, I. It's very hard not to put Jim Brown first. I know. Um, <laughs> I know why you did it because I've also written things for the internet. Um, I like that you updated it. I just saw that because I looked at it earlier. Yeah, because I, um,
1: I was just sick of fucking hearing about it.
2: Yeah. Uh, it, it's hard to really take any exception to this. Were you trying to do like a value thing? like a
1: uh, Less value, more just like who are the 10 best players drafted?
2: Yeah. So then, you know, Harrison's a no-brainer. Dwight Freeney, I think we all think should be a Hall of Famer. Um, at least on this side of, of the Syracuse Isle, I assume we all think that. He's yeah. also like a a pretty like impactful defensive end for a long time for a Super Bowl winning team. Um, I think uh, it's hard to really argue Art Monk Donovan is close. I mean, we've had a lot of really good NFL players. What this reminds me, I mean, when number ten is uh, Chandler Jones, who I you know is is on his way to like a multiple Pro Bowl, like one of the better defensive ends in the in the NFL for for a long stretch like career, and he's probably the the only one that falls short of like. If not legend, then like borderline small Hall of small. Famer. That that's pretty good.
1: Well, the arguments. I know there were a couple of people that that said Jones didn't belong there. Um, some of the people that that uh, commenters brought up were better than others. Um, some of the folks people mentioned. Uh, Riley Dixon was mentioned as a joke, not in seriousness. Um, Keith Bullock and Donovan Darius, both of whom were good players, but I do feel like people are overhyping what was maybe one or two really good years for each of those guys. Um, and extending it out. I mean, th- their numbers just don't really stack up.
2: Yeah, uh, like Keith Bullock and Denim and Darius were like, their best years were like not what, what Chandler Jones has done a bunch already. Exactly. And, I mean, I, I think if Chandler Jones was like, if his career just like falls off a cliff in like a year or two, maybe you could argue those two guys get in over, uh, on longevity. But I think Jones' is uh, top end years, uh, I
1: mean, what do you just have, like 16 sacks? He had 17 sacks He led the league. He yeah, was the first team, he, and he was first team All Pro.
2: Yeah, and that wasn't—I mean, that wasn't his first good year either. Like he—he no. he had like two or three really, really great years with the Patriots. So, it's—it's it's hard to argue that. I, I think, I think um, it's also hard because like his career is far from over. Hopefully, and those two are done now. And they had the, the thing they had was like a lot of longevity. I think they both played like a decade in the league, right? And were yeah. pretty reliable starters for a long time.
1: Yeah, they were. So,
2: so yeah, I, I think you can make an argument there, but. Um, Overall, it seems like J- Chandler's career is probably projecting higher.
1: Yeah. The, the other guys I would maybe end, like, it was interesting, too, because, like, I knew about Jim Ringo and I knew his history, but actually, like, reading through and seeing, like, just how much. Like, he was somebody who, like, I could have even been convinced to put higher than I did. Um, the only guy I might put ahead, I, I thought Joe Morris for a few, but Joe Morris' his numbers really are based on the 85 and 86 seasons in which he ran for— over half of his like career yardage in just two years, um, Gary Anderson, I would entertain taking Chandler's spot, if only because of just how prolific he was. Um, how he is one of the you know one to th- one or th- one to three probably best kickers in in league history. He's one of the top scorers in league history. Um, I, I could definitely entertain him.
2: Yeah, it, it's tough with kickers because it's. It's such a specialized thing, and I, I'm a I'm a proponent of like putting kickers and punters in the Hall of Fame because it's a part of the game. Like, if you want to, if it if it becomes no longer part of a game, then you know you can argue it. But right now, it's like a a pretty big part of football. Um, so I think they should get like, you know, they should get the the accolades that everyone else gets within their own like realm. So, but but overall, it's hard to it's hard to argue even. You, you could maybe argue Anderson for 10 just because he was, like, one of the best at his position, but there's always going to be that bias against uh, the the specialists like that, and I get it.
1: Yeah. So you you, you want to put him 10th instead? Go for it. I'm I'm not going to stop anybody. I, and you uh, could say the,
2: the, the a similar thing about Tabucky Jones, who was one of the best, like, special teams, like, non kick returner, non-kicker-punter, like, players that we in the NFL for a long time.
1: Yeah, I buy that. Let me do a little, uh... You talk a little bit about Western Michigan while we're here, because, uh... I started my way too early uh, opponent previews this week. We are starting against Western Michigan this year, um, over in Kalamazoo. This should be fun. Um, most notably, we're seeing Tim Lester again. Now, Dan, what do you recall about the Method Cat offense and uh, and, and all things Method Cat?
2: Um, I remember buying an XFL play uh, trading <laughs> card um, when he was named offensive coordinator. And uh, that's about that's about like my, the extent of. I actually found that the other day. It's in my apartment up here the, in, in the here
0: submarine.
2: Ah, uh, good lord. Um, I assume his offense at Western Michigan's. Uh, I, I watched like parts of some of their games last year. I think they they gave USC a run, right?
1: USC and Michigan State. Like, I was kind of wondering, like, where the hell was, like, what the hell went on when the people running this offense were. Like two of the guys were instrumental in the Leicester offense at Syracuse, and th- the results could not have looked any di- more different.
2: And uh, and obviously he did, he adopted like kind of a tough situation because um, PJ Fleck like bounced after his like best possible year. Yeah. Um. So he didn't inherit
1: like a, a full stacked roster. Um. Yeah, and most of the was gone. Yeah, Most of the offense was gone. He had most of his defense, however. Like, but the offense looked. Not have mean the run game was good for the most part, and it had injuries,
2: which was not the case at Syracuse if you remember.
1: It was well, I remember. I watched every game twice, Dan.
2: (laughs) Uh, Good Lord, yeah. I mean, I I think it's so weird because I I think he he was also put in a a weird spot that first year because he took over at midseason and he tried to shoehorn in and like work with this system based on like the bones of what McDonald had been doing. And then the second year, we just, like, went all in on this, like, weird option-type attack, even though that probably wasn't the best possible thing we could be doing. Um, So without having seen, like, a ton of Western Michigan, it doesn't totally surprise me that he's doing a better job offensively based on, like, being able to go in and having a full offseason to uh, implement what he wants as a a head coach. But at the same time, like, it doesn't leave him with a lot of... uh, Room for like excusing what happened his final year, where he had a full you know year as offensive coordinator at Syracuse.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it is just uh, I understand some of the the problems here, but at the same time, it's, it's it's Lester and Jake Moreland, two guys who were involved for Syracuse, and again, this offense could not look any. It's not like it's great. But at the same time, like, with three Syracuse staffers, I feel like they've already gotten more out of this Western Michigan team, even last year when they went 6-6 six and six, uh, and they missed uh, the postseason because they ran out of both slots for the MAC, The results here were still pretty damn good. I mean, they scored 71 points in a game. That was entertaining-ish.
2: Oh, yeah. I remember that game. That was
1: nuts. That was when uh, Tim Lester and I, like, lost my mind, wrote an article about it. Tim Lester <laughs> was was part of the um, highest scoring game in college football history. Now, after <laughs> a record in which Syracuse was a part of. Good lord, just just why? Um, but yeah, last year they uh, they had a really good running game. Actually, um, they had an okay offense. They were like middle middle tier, maybe like a little bit lower. Um, they tested USC. They tested Michigan State. Um, they went four and four in conference, which not bad, especially in a really tough kind of. I'd put the MAC West up there among the hardest divisions in G five. The only one that might be tougher is probably probably the American Athletic Conference West.
2: Yeah, there are a lot of just really competent programs in the MAC West, and like obviously the talent level is going to have a, a ceiling, but they they seem to, to hire coaches well. Um, obviously it's, it's, you know, churned out so many, especially like big 10 coaches in the last couple of years. So yeah, sits and sits your first year when you're replacing like basically the whole of a, of a really prolific offense and like finding some kind of identity. Um, I, I'd say it was a fairly successful year. Um, especially cause like we could have talked ourselves into Lester, like totally falling off a cliff. Now, that being said now, you know, as he starts to have to replace uh, more defensive guys, um, from that really good 2016 team, then um, there's still some question marks as you always get when you you know move away from the last coach's players uh, with
1: you know a new coaching hire. What we are seeing with him, though, is that he's actually recruiting pretty well. And again, where the hell was this at Syracuse? Um, this past class had 19 three-star guys. Like, so that's not gonna like floor us at Syracuse, but that's pretty damn it's... good for a MAC school.
2: It's not what Fleck was doing, where Fleck was recruiting, like, a bottom-level uh, P5, to be honest, when right. he was there. But it's, like, still quite good for what uh, any other Mac's, Mac coach would be doing. Yeah. And I don't, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's not like Fleck, like, left his staff behind. No. Um, I think he hired most everyone. Yeah, so... he wrote
1: over most everyone. They ranked 75th in the 24-7 composite this year. That was second in the MAC. I think Toledo was first, which makes sense, just because they've been able to keep a pretty consistent, like, vibe going there. They also, I I, wrote, I I like looked into this at some
2: point, writing an article a couple months ago. Like Toledo hasn't made a bad coaching hire in a long, long time, no. <laughs> like yeah. decades. Yeah, Toledo. I wrote about them. Um... I'll, I'll find it because like it, it was a it was like a note in like a long, uh, a much different article I wrote, but um, it was like I, I like just dove into it because it was so surprising to me, and like I knew Saban was there for a hot second, and. Uh, it just like blew my mind how long did it had been since like a truly bad hire by them.
1: Yeah, I wrote. Yeah, I I, I thought you wrote about that. I know I wrote about that last year um, when I wrote about just like Mac coaching hires. Um, yeah, Jason candle has been there for the last two years and and a bowl game. Matt Campbell was there before. Tim Beckman wasn't a bad coach for them. Tom Amstis was a pretty good coach. Gary Pinkle was a pretty good coach. Saban was there for a uh, uh, one season.
2: I found it. It the last, which you were about to get to, because I, you were going down the list. Yeah. The last Toledo coach who was left the program under five hundred was Chuck Stobart, who was there from seventy seven to eighty one.
1: And even that, he was. That, even even he ended his time with a nine and three record the California Bowl win.
2: Yeah, for whatever reason, and the map like, it seems like the map like kind of shifts between what teams are good. Like aside from like Eastern Michigan for a long time yeah. being horrible. Like the math is pretty up and down. Like you, you've done these runs based on who hires a good coach, and it's really remarkable that Toledo has just kind of bucked the trend of like having up and down periods. Like almost every other school in that in that uh, in that conference does. It's basically Toledo and Eastern Michigan are the only relatively consistent ones, and um, on either end of the spectrum. And uh, everyone else is just like swings rapid, like violently either way.
1: Yeah, I know Bill Connolly got into that uh, actually in his like intro for the WMU preview this year he said, like, outside of, like, you know, the, the recent-ish run for Northern Illinois, like, and even them, like, they've kind of, you know, taken a little bit of a downward turn. Like, the MAC it, it is a lot of wild swings just because there's so much coaching turnover. Like, it is, you know, a cradle of coaches type situation. Um, and the Big Ten looks there a lot. The ACC has been mining there uh, quite a bit. Uh, the American Athletic Conference potentially, like, could even look there depending on which school and how much they can pay, like, uh, it's become it, it's always been a very interesting conference in that regard, but it's become an even more um, interesting conference. So yeah, Toledo is is definitely kind of the school I think WMU is trying to emulate. And honestly, like if Lester works out for them, uh, he could really work out because it's not that he wouldn't ever want to go anywhere else. but I don't necessarily know if his level of success is going to be such a system and personality based thing like it was with Fleck um, or, or other Mac coaches who've left that you can say like, okay, he's definitely going to get hired somewhere. Um, I, I think part of the, the, the draw to play for him is the fact that he's an alone.
2: He also, as, as we know very well was not some like super hot coordinator when mm-hmm. he got hired there. So, yeah. um, it kind of takes away, like, you know, if he would have led Syracuse to like some crazy offense and then got that job, um, You would be you almost expect a little bit more that he might leave at some point versus like the fact is that like Syracuse is pretty bad on offense while he was here, Mm -hmm. Um, and then Lester got to cut the line. Yes, he definitely cut the line because he's an alum, and uh, I think that I I don't know for sure. uh, Just speculating, it could make some uh, some other teams more hesitant to try to like bump him up the line.
1: Right? Yeah, like Western Michigan would have to get back to the Fleck Heights under him for him to like for him to make another move in the next probably three to four seasons. Right. Which, I mean, you know what? Like, I don't, I don't wish anything bad on, on any of the former SU coaches. Um, I think Schaefer can go shove his cigar somewhere. But, but besides that, I hope all of them find success. Uh, you know, Lester was always a good guy. Um, SU media really liked him. It's not that he, he inherited a bad situation. I felt like he didn't necessarily do the greatest job with the situation he inherited, but alas, he's gone. <laughs> he can't hurt us anymore, um, at least once we get past this uh, WMU series. Which I think it's just this one game, if memory serves. Um, actually, no, I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. Memory is serving by me pulling it up on here. Nope, we got Western Michigan next year. We're hosting them on September 21st. So it is a two-gamer now that i uh jogged my memory
2: there yeah we, we don't do we don't get one for no one for zeros we're not a uh, actually no one really gets those anymore oh, yeah. but
1: we got a Middle tennessee last year oh you're right that that was a they had a weird situation though didn't they i think they had a weird situation we obviously had a weird situation i'm pretty sure we shelled out like over a million dollars for that one uh i think it was actually a little less but it was uh, maybe it was over a million it was a lot
2: it was somewhere in like the eight hundred fifty thousand to like maybe over a million range Either way, like that, we, we generally don't get one like one one-offs. Um, most schools at this point don't. Uh, like if you're an SEC school, you can get one, but but like Rarely. a syracuse type school really struggles to.
1: Yeah, like even um, I think it's so Arkansas has gone on the road somewhere that I was surprised by. I think was uh, the most... they, yeah, you're
2: right. Um, where did they go recently? Oh, they went to Colorado State. They're going. To, a couple people are going to Colorado State. Arkansas went to a. Did they go to Toledo, or did they go to Tulsa They recently? did
1: go to Toledo recently. Okay, I knew it. And, anyway, they, and that was the, I think they lost that game. Uh, knowing recent Arkansas, early in the year, probably. Yeah. Speaking of losing games like that, um, I gave us a 60% chance to win this game. Bill and SP, S&P Plus gives us a 52% chance to win this game.
2: Yeah, I just saw that. It's... um. I don't know. It's hard to... I, I have trouble really projecting forward what they're going to be. Uh, Western Michigan and also, like... Syracuse. <laughs> I don't know. I feel much better than
1: 52%. I do, and I think a lot of it, and this isn't, like, the fault of Bill or S&P Plus. It's just, like, because Dungy hasn't seen a full season, um, because we've had so many injuries, because we're losing a decent amount um, of returning production, and because recruiting hasn't really been, like, lights out, all of those things are hurting us here. And Western Michigan does get assisted by the fact that, like, s does include recent results, and one of their recent results is an undefeated regular season.
2: Yep. Also, it was, it was Toledo. It was uh, 20, six, 2015 Arkansas lost to Toledo 16-12, to 12, which is a, a bizarre football store.
1: I watched half of that game, at least, and I don't know why.
2: Uh, I imagine I watched at least part of it. Uh, it was my birthday. <laughs> it was novelty. my 25th birthday.
1: <laughs> Figured everything's going well today, so why don't I... Why did not I knock it down a notch just so I don't have <laughs> weighty expectations going forward? I mean, it was week two of the college football season.
2: That's always like a big step down. So there's yeah. a good chance that I was watching at least like a chunk of that. Especially because like watching SEC teams lose to uh, Drupal Fives is hilarious. Oh,
1: sign, sign me up every time. I, I remember what was it like two years ago when Auburn was about to lose to Jacksonville State. And they didn't. But I was, I was psyched. I think most of fo- college football Twitter was pretty psyched. And then, you know, it didn't happen.
2: That was great, and, and Florida losing to Georgia Southern before Georgia Southern was uh, at FBS was just, like, chef, chef kiss emoji. Like, it's so good. I was in, uh, I was staying, I was at, at in Syracuse for that. I was staying with a friend who was uh, an RA on campus after we graduated, and that, I assume I was up for a football, I forget which. um, Yeah, just, just great. Watching, it, it was just like one of those one of those wonderful moments. And, and we all knew Florida was trash, but, like, that was that was so much. And obviously <laughs> Georgia Southern was really good, but still.
1: Right. All right, why don't we uh, have a little halftime here, and then we can uh, pivot to some other maybe more Syracuse-related topics.
2: Cool. I'm pulling up untapped because it – oh, I you know what? Like, literally the only craft beer I had this week, I stopped at Dinosaur for lunch one day and got an ape hanger. And that was really it. I didn't, like, drink much last weekend. All right. So –
1: I'm pumping. Fair enough. Um, All right. For me, hung out with some friends down in South Redondo. Went to uh, one of the better beer bars around here, Naja's Place. Had from Green Cheek, which is down in uh, the uh, Orange County area. Had a new neon sign, pale ale. Really good. uh, Really a lot of flavor, especially for a pale ale. Uh, Tasted much far beyond the uh, 5.5% it was. Had a uh, Vic Secret Eyes from uh, McKellar. It was a New England IPA. Um, also went to one of my other favorite spots, like Beer Store. Had a uh, Barrel Roll Number 4 Hammerhead from uh, Hangar 24. Uh, had a Crooked Stave Hop Savant. Was a Brett IPA from them. Had a bottle of uh, Divine Reserve Number 15. It was a Russian Imperial Stout from uh, St. Arnold down in Texas. Had a uh, Primer Weizenbach from Live Oak, also from Texas. And then a, uh, then a Lambic from uh, Brewery's Terroir label. They're a uh, train-to-beer cell. Really, really good beer. Actually, got even better as you went. Always a big fan of lambics, so yeah, that was my uh, that was my week of beer drinking. And
2: lambics, I feel like I always really enjoy, and I just don't like, I don't drink them. And I, it feels like it's one of those things where like you feel weird ordering it on like a normal night, even though they're like delicious, and I probably should drink them more because I always enjoy them.
1: I mean, there's also like, I mean, you can probably get access to the the genuine article belgian ones a little bit more easily than we can out here but there are plenty of american breweries doing like really approaching belgian lambics well and 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 finding ways to you know both both be a a similar you know product to the the original belgian style and also like trying some new things with it i know like beechwood blendery is really trying some new and different things with lambics and adding fruit and, and stuff like that and it's I, I have no problem trying them out, because, again, I'm a sucker for that style.
2: Yeah, I don't remember the last time I had a, a really good one, but I might now make a point of it now that now that it's come up here. I might have to, like, that's when I, I might see one on the menu. I'm just going to go for it.
1: Or find a Belgian beer bar. I'm sure there's... Oh, they are definitely Belgian yeah. beer
2: bars, yeah. I mean, I know of, of a couple, so...
1: Fair enough. Um, okay. I guess one thing that we could definitely talk about here, um, Jim won't be on with us, but Syracuse lacrosse. Dan, I know that you don't have time to watch as many Syracuse lacrosse games as you'd like, just like I don't either, but Syracuse did go undefeated in the ACC again, and that could be a harbinger of some good things to come, but it wasn't last year. Yeah,
2: I mean, I obviously think you'll take it rather than not. Um, (laughs) I got to see uh, the last quarter of that UNC game, which was um, a very Syracuse lacrosse event where it was highly thrilling, and it looked like we were definitely going to lose, and then we pulled it out somehow with a weird like crazy three goal from behind comeback in the last like couple minutes so it's so it's always so funny how lacrosse just like so often syracuse just seems to get exactly the amount of goals it needs in the exact amount of time and then win in overtime and it doesn't really seem to matter if there's like two minutes left or, or seven <laughs> minutes left um it they seems just like, like to... they're
1: flirting with disaster though
2: yes all the time and it, it's it's highly frustrating but also incredibly thrilling
1: yeah i uh the fact that all of our big wins are in conference um, and we've played so... I think, like, in past years, if we lost big games out of conference, they weren't by a mile and you felt like, okay, like if, if some things bounced a different way. Like, but what we're seeing with this Syracuse team is just everything is so night and day. I mean, they got blown up um, by Cornell. They got blown up in, in one of the worst losses we've ever seen um, by Albany. Uh, Th- those are not wins that are necessarily Usually indicative of a team That's going to win the ACC in lacrosse And I don't know if it's a, I think it might be a little bit of a down year To be honest uh, For the conference But like You see that Notre Dame's taking some losses Duke's taking some losses Obviously we have um, Not the strongest year for the ACC um, Obviously those wins against those programs Still matter um, And if we manage to win the ACC tournament um, That'll bolster our chances even more But um This does feel weird and and very different from what we're used to um, in terms of, you know, Syracuse taking on those non-conference L's. Yeah, like, this
2: doesn't—it's probably a lot because of those Albany and Cornell games, which were just such, like, blowout losses. And the fact that those weren't in the ACC almost makes it seem like the ACC might have been down, and that might be the case. Um, But overall, it doesn't feel like like a great Syracuse team. It's a pretty young team. I know the attack's been, like, a, a, a work in progress all year. Um, The defense, I think, has been relatively good without, like, watching it as closely as I... uh, You know, I just don't get all the games down here. But um, I've watched as much as I can. And so, yeah, it doesn't have the feel of, like, a team that that I think should be challenging for a national title, but uh, they're definitely really gritty. They pulled out, like, a couple of games this year that they probably had no business winning, including this UNC one. And it's really, like, I'm not planning on counting out Syracuse uh, lacrosse um, in any big game. Uh, So... I'm definitely of, like, a couple different minds. I I don't think if they lose, you know, before the Final Four in in the NCAA tournament, I'll be, like, terribly upset, though, because I do feel like this is, like, a little bit more of a, not quite a rebuild year, but it's definitely more of, like, a revamped uh, team that um, should be really good in years to come. But uh, overall, I think you have to be happy with how the regular season played out overall, even aside from the undefeated ACC record. Like, I think this team felt at times like it would have, it, you know, maybe wouldn't even make the NCAA tournament. and Now they, you know, obviously just ran through what is still probably one of the best conferences in the whole sport.
1: Yeah, one of the, if not the best conferences in the whole sport, one of the hardest schedules in the entire sport. Um, preseason, SU was projected somewhere between like 7th and 10th, I feel like, by most publications. Right now we're ranked ninth uh, by the inside of the cross poll, so we've pretty much done what we were supposed to. Um, I also feel like this year's weird there's just not like and you've seen this the last couple of years as parity starting to take some hold in sport um, where yes it's the same 20 to 25 schools but that's a much larger pool of teams to choose from as far as who's a national title contender than was the case even five years ago um, so you know like I think Maryland Albany probably like the two most like bulletproof teams um, in the country right now but like you know Duke obviously hasn't fallen off so much where, where they're not a title contender. Denver's up there every year. Yale, Cornell, like Hopkins seems to be resurgent after a, a few like kind of lesser years um, of late. And Loyola, you know, they're not that far away from, from when they won a national title. So, I mean, even look at the, I mean, the Big Ten in general has found a way um, to really kind of up their product very quickly. Teams like Rutgers and Penn State, um, you know, have both really come on strong in recent seasons. So... I think this is going to be, like, similar to last year, a pretty wide-open NCAA tournament. It's going to depend on matchups. Um, The hope, obviously, is that the Orange can, you know, get themselves a matchup that's advantageous early um, and and that plays to our defensive strengths. I know we we have had some some real nice defensive games in the second half of the season um, while also struggling in some other spots, so... It, like like most you know single elimination tournaments, this is going to be uh, this is going to be a matchup based thing, and I just hope we end up with the right one. Since I uh, feel like too often lately we end up, we end up with the wrong team uh, staring across from us in the bracket.
2: Yeah, I mean, so many years we've had these like you know crazy defensive you know goalie stands on his head games, and then the the stall out uh, finishes. So it'd be nice to just like finally get one where we seem to be pulling the upset and not like having this hor- horrific last minute of agony, um, as we've had so many times in our NCAA tournament losses. Also, I don't know. I don't know how Army did this year. Can we just not play Army? Uh, I don't think I have no idea. I think Army's going to make it this year. Okay, good. Um, no, no offense to the Army. Um, we just don't want to play you in lacrosse ever. We do not want to play you in lacrosse ever again in the NCAA tournament. (laughs) So can we just not, not do that again? Um, everything else, like, I guess, you know, it's, you you, kind of take it where it falls, but, um, I think more often than not, we've we've been a pretty uh, we've we've matched up pretty well with teams. It's just like Albany and Tornell were were just clearly uh, at a different level, at least on those days that we faced them. And, and Albany's been one of the best teams in the country all season, so uh, I'd rather not face them early if possible. I, I don't think we'd get like a, a super early matchup with them because uh, I don't think we'd get seeded into a rematch like that. Uh, although I guess we've had that with Army as well, so it's hard to always tell with how how things work out because of travel and whatnot with the incident with the uh, lacrosse tournament.
1: Yeah, I uh, I really don't want to face any of those teams, and I also don't want to face. I could I could face Rutgers, but I don't want to face them, to be honest. I don't really want to face anybody. I would face Yale, I guess, and I, I could face Hopkins and Loyola. But like besides that, I really don't want to face any of the teams we'd likely be lined up against.
2: Yeah, I guess it's kind of tricky because uh, there's only so many teams that you couldn't possibly you can possibly be lined up against. Obviously, there's still some work to do with the. Uh the ACC games but um yeah it's I don't know what what's what's our like seed projection right now
1: um if I had to guess and from what I've seen kind of bouncing around we're like a fringe uh numbered seed I mean I step the get one at the dome if we can like
2: yeah. give I don't us know.
1: Give, give us UMass at the dome please
2: yes I will take that I know we've had uh we have a conspicuous history with the UMass in the NCAA tournament but uh I'll take it
1: yeah give us UMass I'll even take Nova any? yeah i don't think we played
2: nova this year did we did we no we i
1: don't,
2: don't think we have really played them that much since we left the big east um yeah i'd take either of those i haven't heard a lot about buzz about them so that means that they're garbage and we'll beat them
1: yeah sure <laughs> then, that's how this works give me them hey i mean pen six and seven and they're still ranked so give me them i'll
2: take Penn. yeah i know they've been dangerous uh in previous years but i'll take them
1: yeah, actually, any any of the any of the receiving votes teams this week, I'll, I'll take any of those. Uh, that would be Vermont, Lehigh, St. Joe's, Ohio State, Michigan, Harvard, Richmond, or Brown. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have like a huge problem with any of those. Re- re- really, my line is like anything. I'll take any of the teams below us, save Notre Dame.
2: Yeah, Notre Dame is always a is always a trouble spot. I, I'd rather not not with them and i know we beat them but like
1: i I don't care i don't want to face them just 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 don't make me face them again tell the 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 bad leprechaun man is just just not something i I want to see opposite us
2: yeah i don't ever feel like super comfortable playing an acc team early on basically or maryland
1: or or maryland no it's just obviously
2: maryland this year especially but like I just any team that we've lost to in the NCAA tournament before, it's just such a starring event in in uh in lacrosse, like even if none of the players are the same, it just I don't know. It, they they all the losses just seem so brutal uh, in terms of how they play out that um I'm trying to think of like a basketball equivalent like uh, Butler? I guess, but like even Butler's so different in terms of like the coaching now. Yeah. Um Vermont? Yeah, because we played Vermont again, and, like, everyone was, like, freaking out, and then we beat the hell out of them. I was uh, terrified. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> um, I,
1: I, I remember, the like, the first game, so, like, I, I, I was still carrying the scars from that into that game. I know you weren't as much.
2: No, I mean, I remember the game, yeah. the first game, pretty well, but, like, I tried to be, like, sensible about it, and I get, like, if you were, like, a Syracuse fan, like, really diehard at the time watching it, it would definitely be a little bit of a different ball game.
1: Yeah, I, I think um, with basketball, I'm trying to think who...
2: Because I think, I think the coach matters a lot, like, in terms of the feel. Like, you don't want the same coach on the sideline. Um, the player is not as much. But, right. like, in lacrosse, there's less coaching turnover. Um, also less system. So, like, Army just feels yeah. like a nightmare, even if they're terrible. Like, Army could be 5-11 and 11 to make the tournament somehow, and I will think we're probably
1: going to lose. Um, well, one comparison but, could be, like, Marquette. Like... I feel like, you know, we faced them a couple times in the postseason. Um, They had that lucky win against us in 2011. I feel like a lot of people were projecting that onto the 2013 Elite 8 matchup. And then we ended up, you know, basically bludgeoning them into submission. Yeah. Or, uh, (laughs) like, I think even,
2: like, UNC this year, like, this year after we just, like, really struggled to beat them the last couple of years. Like, if we played UNC in the NCAA tournament, even if it wasn't, like, a great UNC team, uh... I think we'd be kind of spooked, like buy probably that. even more so than the Duke game. Because Duke, we've we've Duke, we've handled like Duke. We were like just under five hundred against since we joined the ACC. UNC, we've beaten like what once?
1: Yeah, I think we're one in seven now.
2: Yeah, so that would feel a lot worse. Um, I think just based on like that weird history, even though like half of it doesn't really matter.
1: I would agree. Um... I think we're mostly done here, but one thing I did want to mention, and I know I said I wasn't going to mention it at all, but given that we're not really seeing a strong university response about this whole engineering fraternity, Theta Tau thing, uh, Syracuse, please get on this. Um, it's going to be on every morning news show tomorrow, probably.
2: Oh, it's a, it's a PR nightmare. Oh, yeah. I think the DO, I saw the DO just out the video.
1: Yeah, the DO got the video. It's horrifying. Um and yeah, in general, you know, for a school that, again, houses new house, uh, we're not very good at this whole communications thing um, a lot of the time, which is, again, really weird. Uh, please, I, part one, uh, this is expulsions, part two, let's maybe start talking about the role the Greek life really plays on campus and how we might want to alter that going forward.
2: Yeah, and it's really, it's more than a Syracuse thing. Like, that's really all campuses. Like, we hear this stuff every year from all over the country. Yeah. But even just at Syracuse, like reading the D article and at the bottom they're like, Oh yeah, this fraternity and this fraternity and this fraternity and this fraternity are all also suspended. It's like, all right, well if you're gonna have like I don't know how many frats are on campus now, let's say roughly even if you're gonna have like fifteen percent of your total fraternity suspended for either hazing or just violent racism like what are we doing? And I, I, I'm not trying to. And we bring this up all the time, and it turns into like a contentious thing online. But um,
1: i well, I already tweeted about it earlier, and everyone's yeah, and, and, and all like, the frat defenders are coming out.
2: <laughs> right, and I get that a lot of people have probably had very good experiences in the frat, and there was no uh crazy like racism and uh, uh anti-Semitism in a lot of these frats, and that's great, and we're we're thrilled that that's the case. Hopefully, in the majority of these. Uh, These places, and I have friends who were in frats who said, like, you know, who had really good experiences and said none of this stuff happened. Same. But, uh, yes, and and they they do all do some good things, um, which is nice. But, like, most of the good things they do can be done outside of that system, which clearly houses uh, a very uh, beyond normal amount of just horrible stuff. Um, Like, this isn't, like, something that happens... Uh, in, like, every other friend group around campus. It really doesn't. Like, I don't think uh, anyone would believe that if you said it. Um, So it's not just... I I don't think it's, like, a numbers thing. I think it's, it's like, this... It's just such a high percentage of incidents with fraternities, specifically uh, at Syracuse and across the nation. So, yeah, there definitely needs to be more of, like, a national conversation about what the utility is here, because I I think most of the good things about them, uh, you can accomplish without them. And that, like, you know, it sucks for those who have had good fraternity experiences but um, at what cost are we are we doing this?
1: Yeah I mean at, at some point there's definitely a correlation um, and that doesn't mean you have to lump every single person but it means you have to talk about the overall uh, impact on the community um, this also is just and some people have already brought this up talking about this conversation like this just scra- like getting rid of even if you did just decide tomorrow if Kent just decided to get rid of fraternities tomorrow that would only scratch the surface of what's wrong on a lot of campuses um, but you know, it, that is a step, in, I think, in the right direction. But I, I, I would say that the university probably falls short of that um, action. But, but you know, hopefully, on you know, on the good side, maybe this introduces some new conversations on campus and on other campuses uh, of what makes sense. I mean, I think if you if you if you do the things that are depicted in the video, if you, and if this is something that's not like a one off and, and, and is a tradition of sorts, and, and that's horrifying to even think about um i think it becomes you obviously thought it was okay and you and you obviously thought that it that nothing would happen to you for doing it and and if that's the the environment that that's on on campus you know at that fraternity and in greek life overall and on syracuse's campus and on other campuses then like then then most times you, you would automatically you know move to to start you know stopping things in their tracks because it's very obvious that that the campus culture is 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 fostering is fostering some sort of you know feeling that that you're safe making these sorts of of decisions and having these sorts of views um yeah, again i i'm disturbed i know you're disturbed by it i hope hope anyone who went to school is disturbed by it and maybe this starts sparking a conversation about how we can improve um you know syracuse campus life i hope i hope a lot of alums uh whether you're in Greek life or not, uh, speak up about, you know, what what the school has a responsibility to do here in a, you know, in, in the aftermath.
2: Yeah, and and a, and a point about uh, the leadership from the school here. Um, when and this isn't a point I came up with. A friend brought it up after the story broke earlier. Um, when when Siviru took over the school, like he made such a big part about uh, of his like early messaging, uh, railing against like the whole party school um persona that syracuse has kind of taken on largely i think outside of its own like doing i think yeah. just some some magazine has decided this was a thing that we were so that became a thing we were because we had nothing uh, else which,
1: to do besides drink it you know in the winter months
2: right which was like i think largely unfair but whatever um and that became such a big thing for him early on so you would think that when these like very uh notable incidents happen where you can point to exactly where the problem is uh, is going on, like you think he would have more of a, of a direct response to this. And instead we kind of kind of gotten what we've done, which is not great. So um, that's really disappointing. And hopefully he does take a uh, more pointed stance. That's more consistent with what he's uh, talked about with just like party culture in general, which I think is a lot less uh, of an issue than like what is going on with these fraternities when there are so many incidents to the fact that we now have, like, five fraternities suspended from campus, which I don't even think is, like, I think when I was there, it was maybe one or two at any given time. And now something is, like, clearly blown up. And I don't know if it's more attention or if it's social media spreading videos like this, but, um, like, clearly there's something out of whack with, like, what we're worried about with, like, the general student populace, like, drinking off campus versus, like, this just horrible, horrible stuff that's going on that actually affects people on campus.
1: I would agree. Um, I will definitely probably be writing something tonight. Um, it's going to piss people off. I don't really care anymore um, because, you know, people do notice these things. No, it's not going to come up in the next job interview for, for a Syracuse grad necessarily, but um, it's more about pride in your school, pride in your community, um, and the degree you have, the larger fan community you're a part of. Um, I, I would think that just about everybody in the Syracuse community um, is against the sorts of things that are depicted in this video um, and if you are for the things de- depicted in the video please leave like the, the general Syracuse fandom I'm, I'm fine with you leaving I'm fine with you not reading the blog ever again I really don't give a shit
2: <laughs> yeah I would say that's a pretty un, uh, unremarkable uh, take there <laughs> I think we can all dip behind that
1: Agreed. Um, cool. <laughs> that was an abnormal way to end this, but um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, the only time we'll ever uh, end a podcast like that. I would agree, uh, Dan. Anything else before we uh, before we sign off and uh, and invite? I'm sure there's going to be some hate mail for reasons unknown.
2: Yeah. No. I think I think we got everything. Cool. Uh, good. <laughs> Cool. Uh, Congrats Rex Culpepper on playing at the end of the spring game. That was awesome.
1: Yeah, let's end this on a positive note. Uh, I'm sure everyone's seen it by now. Rex Culpepper did get to throw a touchdown pass to end the spring game. Really cool moment for him. He he was in between uh, treatments for uh, testicular cancer. I know he started his second uh, round of chemo this week. Um, So best of luck to him. Um, Definitely something that I know for a lot of people, um, you know, cancer is a real uh, problem. In, in our society in our culture and, and just from a health perspective and a lot of people had know someone who either has dealt with it or passed away from it um, so you know obviously uh, a, a genuine thoughts and prayers uh, to, to Rex as he, uh, as he continues uh, that fight and hopefully we see him on the field again soon absolutely alright that was Dan I'm John thank you everybody for listening to Troy News and Absolute Podcast you can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes on Blog Talk and go Orange
0: go Orange